0: This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download Podcast. This is Tom. And Ethan,
1: 2018
0: champ. And uh, so, as promised, uh, we're coming back at you for... Uh, Our post-draft rookie rankings uh, for uh, dynasty purposes. So um, I did just a quick list of 30 um, because this is probably the deepest rookie draft I can remember. There were 36 uh, receivers taken in the entirety of the draft. um, And uh, I don't have a single quarterback in my top 30.
1: Oh, I didn't group them all together like that. I can in my head, but I just went basically through the wide receivers and the, and the running backs. But
0: I wouldn't I have, have a had a quarterback
1: of, in there either way.
0: Yeah, I have a couple of um, – uh, wh- uh, how to put it? Tight ends here at the back end of my overall 30. Um, I just put them all together because um, doing individual rankings, I don't know if that's as um, – beneficial as doing the full uh, piece because you're going to be drafting from the whole pool for uh, overall. Um, Tomorrow, it looks like we're going to be trying to do a mock draft ranking or excuse me, mock draft of our league. Uh, We'll just need to get a picks list and kind of go over that based on team needs and the rest of it. But today. So um, do you want to start with your list or do you want to take a look at mine? How do you want to go about it?
1: Let's go through your list because, again, you did more than I did. Okay. I only did, like, 20, so.
0: So do you want to do from 1 to 30 or do you want to do from 30 to 1? 30 to 1. All right. So 30 for me is Tyler Johnson. Uh, I like him coming in. I think he is a potential, um, just like number 29 on the list, a guy that, Uh, Some of these Big Ten wide receivers, um, they come in and they actually fit really well because the Big Ten's running more pro sets uh, or at least old school type pro sets where um, you have a little bit more of a running angle to it. And so um, you've got to be more route conscious as opposed to um, more of the spread offenses of the Big 12 and some of that um, where it's a little bit more wide open, um, no huddle type situations. So uh, I think they're just, uh, they're maybe not as athletic as some of those other guys, but I think they've developed the game a little bit more quickly. So Tyler Johnson going over to uh, Tampa Bay to possibly fit in as that third wide receiver or at least the first fill-in, kind of that where um, Perriman was at the end of last year with both Evans and Godwin out. Um, you know I think he slots in well and can probably fit with um, Tom Brady pretty quickly. Um, and get up to speed. Uh, Twenty-nine Quintus Cephas, uh, the former uh, UW Badger uh, standout. Um, I think he probably, and honestly, other if this draft class wasn't so deep, I think both of these guys probably would have gone a little bit higher, just because of um, I, I think they're deep picks. But um, Cephas goes to a role where. Maybe a year from now, we don't know if. um, Oh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Um, Marvin Jones, uh, who actually has, um, for being a number two in Detroit, like a good fantasy roster. Like he's a decent wide receiver three angle. Uh, wide receiver two upside, depending on how Galladay's is um, looking at any one possible time. But uh, Cephas might slot in as that number two, depending on how that goes, um, you know, going forward. And I actually like his opportunity, uh, depending on how he pans out. Uh, 28, Anthony McFarlane Jr. going to Pittsburgh. 27, Cole Komet, the Notre Dame prospect, going to... Um, Chicago as a tight end prospect. 26, Adam Troutman uh, going to uh, New Orleans. 25, Brian Edwards from South Carolina. And 24, Lynn Bowden Jr. from Kentucky going to uh, the now Las Vegas Raiders, which I got to tell you, every time I see LV, it still kind of like throws me for a loop. I'm like, who the fuck is that? But uh, number 23, Joshua Kelly uh, stepping into a potential... Um, opportunity, um, you know, kind of probably underperformed what I thought he might have at UCLA, but, uh, going to the LA chargers. So really the color scheme, not changing all that much. Um, number 22 T Higgins, uh, upside, um, wide receiver option, but, uh, already the fourth or fifth, uh, wide receiver on that team. But in a couple of years when AJ Green may or may not leave, Uh, and, um, maybe Auden Tate or John Ross is completely flamed out or something of that nature. He gets some opportunities. He's a, uh, high upside prospect, uh, drafted the first pick in the second round, um, to, uh, kind of sandwich with, uh, Gerald Burrow going forward. Uh, number 21, AJ Dillon, pretty much. I only put him on there for immediate impact as a handcuff to Aaron Jones. Um, and we will stop there. Any reaction to any of those?
1: Uh, Cephas was the first one that jumped out to me. I don't like, I didn't like him as a prospect at all. A lot of people uh, might be like, Ethan, you're a badger hater. It's more than that. Um, only being six, one running a four, seven, um, that's really slow for a wide receiver. Some other notes that I had for him when I was watching some of his tape, um, footwork wasn't as great as I thought it could be. Um, and he wasn't really, this goes back to the speed. He wasn't really separating, uh, from defensive backs in the big 10. And I know their defense is really, really well with plays really, really well. So I, I just don't think he'll be successful, um, at the next level. Then another one that jumped out to you, to me, that was surprising that you had him so low is T Higgins. I have him honestly, as one of my top 10 uh, rookie wide receivers. And I think overall I'd have him probably around 15 or so uh, with the rookies. Those are just a couple that jumped out to me right away.
0: So I could possibly have him a couple of spots higher um, on this list. He could probably jump up to 20. I just, by comparison to some of the other ones that have um, different opportunities, he's also the fifth wide receiver on that team. Like I know he's drafted highly, but the amount of other guys that they're like, John Brown was a top ten pick at one point. Um, Auden Tate actually did pretty well last year. Uh, you've still got um, oh, why am I drawing a blank on um, the Tyler Boyd is still on the team, and then they're still they just gave a franchise tag to A. J. Green for the year. So like, at least for the immediate impact, I just don't see it. I, he'll be on the team and moving forward, like he's a very talented prospect. It's just a matter of, uh, I don't see him even getting like a number of targets to really work into the offense this year in the same way that other people would like, I have, uh, one we're going to get to here in a second, but like Chase Claypool is in a better situation at the moment where he's only got to play with like two or three guys ahead of him. Um, you know, in, in Pittsburgh and a better, more polished, uh, veteran quarterback has a, possibility of making a bigger impact more immediately that that's really the only argument long-term prospect if you're talking three years from now t higgins is probably
1: above several of the guys on this list that's exactly what i'm talking about i don't think immediate impact no of course not he's got people in front of him but i think the people in front of him are going to fall off real quick there's only so much rope that John Ross can get. And Tyler Boyd and all those other people that you stated in front of him. This kid is 6'4". He didn't run at the combine, but they're talking about he was around a four five. He played all three spots while at Clemson. So you can put him in the slot. A 6'4 slot? Man, that would be amazing to see. Um, and then just him in the red zone with that big of a target and catch radius. He's just somebody that I like. Um, I wasn't as high on him um, as a prospect before the draft. Um, but then I dived into him a little bit more, and then putting him with Joe Burrow and those two could be together for the foreseeable future, that's mostly where my rankings are coming from. Um, I, I like him as a somebody that I'm going to want on my dynasty squad a couple years from now. Like, I, I certainly understand
0: the, the fervor, and you are always, uh, the top thing I'm looking for is, it does this guy have wide receiver one potential for his team? Like, not for the league, like, obviously, wide receiver one being only those top 10 guys, but like, can he be the number one target on his own team at some point? Yeah, he has that ability. Uh, I just don't know when that's going to come because Tyler Boyd is clearly the number one target on that team right now. Um, and even though Tyler Eifert left, um, and uh, you know, some of that again, he's. He's way down the depth chart as far as that and like really getting the opportunity to work in because, more than anything, you just need experience sometimes at wide receiver in order to like really adjust to the league. Like, the two hardest positions usually are the ones that take the longest to really work in, Um, as far as uh, just totality of the league, is usually secondary and wide receivers because the speed and the technical ability is so much different. Um, at the collegiate level from the NFL. And so, like, that's why we're waiting on these guys two or three years. I'm just saying, by comparison, I think he might have a... Like, the payoff may be greater at the end, but your uh, wait time may be longer than some of these other guys.
1: Um, Let's go back, because I don't think that he's going to be anywhere else um, on your squad, because I think you would have mentioned him already. Van Jefferson... Um, I have him as uh, one of my top um, dynasty wide receivers as well. I think just outside of my top 10 for worky rankings. One, I like his landing spot um, because the Rams have showed in the past that they can, they can have that many wide receivers and still be fantasy relevant. Um, I don't think it doesn't look like the Rams are going to re-sign Cooper cup at all because this guy is essentially the same type of receiver. But watching him run routes is a thing of beauty. It'll bring a tear to your eye. Sit down and watch Van Jefferson run routes. It is awesome to see. Um, I think this kid can be really, really good in another couple years, too. And so that's why I have him as high as I do on my board. Well, I like
0: the Rams system, but also they're in fluctuation. And I've mentioned it before on this uh, show that – they're still trying to decide between the 11 personnel and the 12 personnel sets that they were ending the year in. And so if they're going to go to a more 12 personnel look, and they drafted another tight end, um, Bryson Hopkins out of uh, Purdue. So you would think that maybe they're going to work into that more 12 personnel set, uh, be a little bit more run play action heavy uh, instead of working constantly out of single back uh, 11. Um, I, I if they're working more out of 11, he gets more opportunities. If they're working out of 12, he's got three guys he's trying to beat out for at least two years. in um, Cup, uh, Josh Reynolds, and... Um, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Robert Woods. Um, and again, a lot of this list is based on opportunity. When are you going to be able to work in? Particularly running backs like you know, how many people are in front of you? When are you going to get opportunities to work yourself in? Like I, you know, the wait time when it comes to some of these rookies, you're always trying to balance where the bust rate is. That's the hard part of dynasty. Whereas redraft, you can redraft these guys multiple times because you're only sitting on them for one year as a prospect. And, you know, you may not take them as a rookie. You take them in the second year. Okay. They don't work out maybe third year, but um, they're never more than I can cut this guy at any time. Whereas in this dynasty shift, we're really sitting on these guys sometimes and you're sitting to see, okay, like let's take for an example, the difference between, um, AJ Brown and Corey Davis last year. Like you've been sitting on Corey Davis for a few years now. And where does it really start to show where I need to cut bait on this guy? Like, that's the equation that's always going through my head.
1: I give him, like, if I don't see progress after, like, year two, like, where you can see, okay, he's going to become more and more. With Corey Davis, you didn't see that. Um, But then I can take you on the flip side. I can talk about Chris Godwin. I sat on Chris Godwin for a couple years, too. But every year, you kept seeing more and more and more. And you just, you have to trust to hold on to him. I Van Jefferson would be another one of those guys where I but with my squad, I feel like I can I can afford to wait on some wide receivers. Um, but he's a guy that I would wait, I would wait two, maybe three years on him because I really, really think the payoff for him would pay for it. So like I think
0: system matters a ton to this. Like Chris Godwin is a great example of that, okay? Um Chris Godwin to me does not break out in the same way because he had opportunities and like everybody thought he was going to start two years ago before last season, but he doesn't break out until he becomes kind of the slot producing receiver in a highly productive offense for a guy that uh, is one of the best offensive minds in football. Like um, why am I drawing a blank on the coach's name? Um, Gosh, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, and the coach of the Buccaneers are like the three offensive geniuses that are collectively that everybody says are there. I might put Greg Roman in that category because he took Tyrod Taylor and the Buffalo Bills to the frickin' playoffs one year, but like, and now he's doing wonders with uh, Lamar Jackson. But um, I just you you wonder sometimes what the fit is going to be, what the Uh, or how it's going to be used all of those other things and the rest of it, like Corey Davis, his situation hasn't changed much from a rookie to now where you think he's going to produce and they're running a lot of 12 personnel, um, maybe even, um, uh, kind of almost a. 13 personnel type of situation. And so it's going to give him limited opportunities. Whereas AJ Brown thrived in that. And so uh, it's hard sometimes to call all of those things. Like, and the only reason I even have Cephas on the list is simply um, opportunity. Like if the lions decide to walk away from paying um, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. next year or something like that, or cut him, you know, is this a guy that could potentially step in? I don't know. But, you know, like, give me uh, a undrafted Alan Lazard over like Josh Reynolds, who, you know, two years ago, you would have said, why? Like the dynasty rankings. It's sometimes a matter of where these guys fit and where they have opportunity. Like, you give me the second or third potential wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers versus the fourth on the Rams system, like, there's where the difference is, Depending, regardless of where they were drafted or the talent level. It's sometimes just a matter of, does this guy get opportunities? And so that's kind of where my list's, goes in. I'm not going to pretend that like this is going to end up being the prophetic list of all lists, and if you follow this, this will lead to your eventual glory. But, like, you know, it it's just my attempt at trying to put this together. And that's why I had somebody like Adam Troutman on there, who is a great receiving tight end, kind of a matchup nightmare, isn't a great blocker, but I can see like Sean Payton really wanting to try and use him in the same way that they used to use Jimmy Graham like that kind of speedy tight end who creates matchup issues. So, you know, that's why I included him. I think he's worth at least a flyer, you know, third or fourth round in a rookie draft. So um, do you want to go through the next set? Uh, You can
1: keep going. I'll just react.
0: All right. So number 20, uh, a guy I said during the draft the other day, I think, Um, who I think three years from now could be a top five tight end just because of the situation that he's in, the uh, program that he comes from, so some of the history of some of those guys, and um, the way that uh, Russell Wilson loves to throw to his tight ends, Colby Parkinson. Um, Again, you look at it, and um, we had three relevant um, fantasy tight ends come out of Seattle where they had less of a pedigree and talent share. I love t- anybody that is playing the starting number one tight end for Seattle. They always seem to somehow produce. Like, people don't, don't remember, but Will Disley was the number one tight end in fantasy when he got hurt in, like, week four or week five. So, He's someone anyway. you're
1: going to have to hold on to for maybe a year or two, though, because you got Greg Olson oh, that's there.
0: definitely. But you're thinking about that for tight ends regardless. Like, if I'm a holder of Will Disley, my, that stock is basically plummeted because uh, they're probably looking at Parkinson as being um, the new blocking inline guy and sitting him behind Greg Olson for a year and letting them both develop or something else. And this guy will eventually be that, but like think of some of the other Stanford tight ends and how they've panned out. Mm, Zach Hertz I think you're a little familiar with him,
1: but heard of him. Heard anyway. of him.
0: Yeah. So uh, number 19, chase Claypool. Um, kind of a really big athletic guy. I just don't know what the situation is going to be. Deontay Thompson um, currently being ahead of him. Who is, uh, there was another guy in Pittsburgh. There are like three guys with uh, Juju, James,
1: James Washington.
0: Oh yes, James Washington, Thompson, and um, Juju Smith Schuster just ahead of him. And like I love um, how Pittsburgh seems to be able to draft and like develop these like second and third round wide receivers into like studs. But, um, you know, this guy's got a, a possibility. It's going to be dependent on where the quarterback situation goes after this next year. Um, I don't know what Ben's going to look like coming back from that, uh, Tommy John type surgery. Um, and, uh, he's still got several guys ahead of him. So I think it's one of those where you're kind of drafting and hoping on history a little bit to hit on that one, but he's not as high as, uh, some of the other guys who I think have more immediate opportunities. Uh, Number 18, Darrington Evans. Uh, I think I mentioned him the other day already. Uh, He's going to be the new, like, uh, oh, why am I? Gosh, I keep forgetting names on this damn podcast. Uh, Dion Lewis uh, in that Tennessee backfield um, fit that kind of role. Um, Kind of the backup to Derrick Henry. But with Derrick Henry taking as many carries as he did last year, I just like his opportunity to potentially have a little bit more impact. Again, this is number eighteen on the list, so who knows? But uh, number seventeen, KJ Hamler, uh, another guy where uh, he has big playability. He's going to be playing a lot of slot work along with um, Jerry Judy, who's uh, higher on this list um, overall. But they're going to be playing, um, you know, down the list by comparison to targets um, to some of those other guys. Uh, he could eventually. Work his way into some production. He's just he's going to have to battle for targets. Number sixteen, Devin Duvernay. Uh, I mentioned him on the podcast the other day. Um, just another speedy slot guy to pair with a uh, you know big time MVP quarterback uh, out in Baltimore. Michael Pittman Jr. We had a long discussion on the other day at number fifteen. I know that you're him. probably yeah Love you're him. probably gonna be a little upset that he's uh, this low possibly Love on, him. but I just. I you know the the Colts situation at quarterback. I I do love them taking Jacob Eason the other day. Um I just where is the opportunity by comparison to some of these other guys? Like, you know, TY Hilton if he's healthy is going to be there. They're still working on two other guys from last year, Paris Campbell and uh I'm still drawing a blank on the other guy that came out of um uh, was like a fifth round or sixth round pick for them last year that actually started to produce uh towards the end of last year but um if he gets opportunities like he's talented enough that he could move much higher on this list i just don't see you know he has a longer way to go to number one status on his own team by you, comparison to some of these other guys you number can't 14, tell me
1: you can't tell me you can't find a way to get a six four kid that can run a four five forty with a thirty seven foot vertical jump ways to get him the ball there's no way yes I can there's no way I love I love his talent and I like the spot where he landed in um just in just history alone um the Colts they 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 get some wide receivers and they do really well with them uh Paris Campbell I don't think is going to be an issue for him because Paris Campbell will probably work primarily out of the slot. Uh, T.Y. Hilton can never stay healthy. When he is healthy, he's a dog. I mean, he's a beast. Um, But he's not getting any younger either. I just think, you know, and for me, and I think this is where our mindsets are different because this is where our teams are different as well. I can afford to wait on people a little bit longer more than you can. And I think that's just where our rankings and our philosophy are is just a little bit different at this point in time. I got no problem waiting a couple years for this kid because I really, really think – um. Once he figures out his offense, and once he once he figures out that he can out physical um, these uh, these corners, because um, he's a big, big kid. Um, I like him a lot, and I think he'll be I think he'll be in wide receiver one territory in a couple of years. Fantasy purposes.
0: In fact, I would say it's actually the opposite. You have less of a incentive to wait than I do, where yeah, I'm man. on the knife's edge between choosing between kind of. Like, I'm hovering around uh, eighth seed in the playoffs type territory where you need to figure out whether you're going to tank for a lottery pick or uh, you need to uh, start playing your guys and seeing if you can uh, improve just slightly to get uh, a little bit of a boost. But I don't have that Giannis type player other than Pat Mahomes on the team where I can really put somebody in and uh, have them carry me. So, well, it remains to be seen. I just... First off, I don't agree with you that Paris Campbell is going to be operating out of the slot. I I I do. I I think he operated way too much on the outside uh, in at Ohio State. The slot was reserved for KJ Hill primarily. So that's that. Although that's a guy who uh, could be the understudy to Keenan Allen for the Chargers. You know, I didn't get him on this list, but there are some guys that didn't make this list that like I feel pretty good about and have opportunities, like some household names. Um, If you watch college ball. So, all right, fourteen Henry Ruggs the third. Love the talent. Um, I just honestly have no idea what um, Vegas is going to be doing and where the target share is going to go. And because there are so many questions uh, surrounding that wide receiver room, um, I just I can't credibly put him forward as like the top wide receiver. He just ends up sli- sliding down. So. Uh, 13, Zach Moss, um, again, love the oppor- or the uh, ability and it's more of a potential upside if um, Singletary doesn't end up being um, or ends up getting hurt or something else. This is a guy that's probably a must handcuff um, and it's a high opportunity handcuff. Like I think he can probably step in for Singletary and you really don't miss anything as an offense. Uh, 12, Brandon Aick. Um, We discussed him a little bit the other day, but um, just going where he slots in as the number two wide receiver on a fairly good offense, um, has ability, game-breaking ability. Um, Health is going to be one of the bigger questions for me, um, but his immediate impact and opportunity, um, he has the potential to really uh, do some things. Uh, And in a uh, wide receiver group that loses how many targets with Emmanuel Sanders being gone, Uh, I like him to possibly fill in and take quite a few of those, even as a rookie. Uh, Number 11, we talked extensively about the other day, um, Denzel Mims. And I just, this is one where maybe long-term value isn't as high as some of the other guys, but this is a guy who I could easily see being the number one target on that offense next season. Like, I don't think he will be. I still think it'll be Crowder because of how much Adam Gase's system Uh, throws to the slot and that's why i drafted crowder in a lot of leagues last year my redraft leagues but um you know even as the number two target i think he's he could average five targets a game minimum on that team and if you're getting that much volume and opportunity your ability to at least make an impact more immediately um becomes greater so that's my 20 through 11
1: I don't got a problem with too much of it. Uh, Denzel Mims I have um, around that, I think at just outside the top ten. Um, I would have liked him to land in a better spot because I love him as a prospect. Um, I just don't trust Sam Darnold. Um, that's really the only thing that I have for him. Other than that, everything kind of lines up with how I, how I look. Same with Henry Ruggs. I don't love that spot. And I understand what the Raiders are kind of trying to do. You have one ride receiver that does this, one that does that, and another that does a completely different thing. Um, so right, there's only one football to go around. And then still, your quarterback is Derek Carr, and I think that handicaps Henry Ruggs more than it does the other, um, more than it does the other receivers just because um, I don't think Derek Carr has the arm for, uh, for a, a car like Henry Ruggs. I think Brian Edwards will um, will see um, positive from it, but I, I Henry Ruggs, he the landing spot for sure knocked him down a couple pegs for me.
0: Well, I I know that like Tyrell Williams spent a lot of the season hurt last year, and that really um, incapacitated the Raiders. But that slot position is already kind of taken over by um, uh, Hunter Renfro for them, who came up big with actually a lot of catches. Uh, on third downs and was kind of that safety blanket for them. But they still have um, two tight ends that were at least fantasy relevant. Um, particularly Darren Waller had, like, a ton of catches last year. I think he might have had over 100 targets. And uh, did he have over 100 catches?
1: Like, I
0: I, his tight ends or his touchdowns weren't huge, but, like, I think most of his value was PPL. He had a lot
1: of catches. Yeah, he had a lot of catches. I don't remember exactly how much, but I
0: can And you know so, a second.
1: like... Part of that
0: bothers me. One of the the ones that also bothers me is is that um, they're going to list Lynn Bowden as a running back, at least to start. Um, And with Josh Jacobs being the primary guy, um, that does concern me a little as to what his opportunities are going to be and what they're going to use him for. If he's going to be their third down back motion out of the backfield, keep him in and maybe they're going to try and be creative with him. That may take a while for that to all pan out uh, immediately, and I'm not sure what they're going to try and do with him. Also, these guys that are gadget players, the Randall Cobbs, the uh, Tavon Austin types, uh, have never really seemed to translate to the NFL in the same way that they were in college, so that does concern me. Like, I like his ability because he's... um, variable but it doesn't seem like the guys in the NFL always know how to use these guys the one guy that seems to translate somehow and it's because Andy Reid is Andy Reid but like Tyreek Hill and the way that the Chiefs kind of use him sometimes um in being kind of that gadget player and doing these end arounds jet sweeps and all of that stuff um ends up doing a lot of different things so that could be something if he gets in the right situation where like John Gruden actually isn't more old school but um, you know, I maybe Brian Edwards says it. I just, they paid a lot of money to Tyrell Williams and he's going to be the number one. And then Darren Waller for as many uh, opportunities he had last year. I just don't know where everybody slots in yet. And well, the, throwing like a whole bunch of shit against the wall and seeing what sticks like does give me pause.
1: The fun thing about um, being on a team and athletics in general, the best player will play, you know? So the timeshare will figure itself out. The ball will figure oh, out, out, out where it's going to go. It's just the hard thing is for us right now is we don't fucking know. Well, <laughs> like, right. And no so do you really want to spend a pick? Do you really want to spend? Yes. And that's why Henry Ruggs fell for me. Um, I loved Bowden Jr., honestly. And now hearing that he's going to be a running back, he jumps up a little bit higher for me. But he's still not going to be a guy that you can like depend on week in and week out. Like I know he's going to get me this many points. Like can the consistency thing would be, would be tough to, to deal with. But um yeah, the Raiders that that one's going to be, someone's just going to have to take a risk. And I don't think I'm willing to take that risk, but I'll be, I'll love to watch somebody else do it.
0: I, you know, he might be one where that situation doesn't pan out year one and somebody puts him back into the draft pool and you get lucky by breaking on it at that point. Kind of like I, I keep bringing up the example of Cortland Sutton, but it's the one that comes to my mind uh, first where, um, you know, that first year he had some opportunities, but he was playing second fiddle yet. And then things didn't really open up until he became that number one opportunity by Sanders getting traded. So, you know, I kind of hit on that one just by taking a flyer, but those are some of the ones where you may look at some of these guys that go back into the draft pool next year. And so having some extra picks next year early on might actually be as beneficial as having them this year. So, um, any other, uh, comments, questions, concerns from, uh, uh, 20 through 11?
1: No, I don't think so. I'm ready to hear your top 10.
0: All right, so number 10, uh, C.D. Lamb. This guy would be higher if it wasn't that he's behind two established, um,
1: possibly top 20 wide receivers. Let's, you know, it's let's, just, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, I yeah, mean, all right. um, man, he was for sure coming in pre-draft. He was my number one. He was my number one wide receiver. Now I have him at uh, number five behind Denzel Mims and right before Henry Ruggs at six. Um, I just, it sucks. That landing spot sucks. Um, Like
0: if he goes to San Francisco or green Bay or even like Minnesota and he's the second guy, you'd love the, the opportunity. If he goes to Houston or something like that, where you're playing with Deshaun Watson,
1: like Houston would have been a great spot, would have been an amazing spot for him. But Um, like,
0: him being behind two younger established guys with many years on their contracts left. Like, I just don't know how much Dallas is going to throw. Now, the one thing that I will say here is, uh, green Bay in the years from 2013 to 2018 under the McCarthy system, averaged the number one amount of dropbacks in the NFL at over 70%. So they are going to throw the ball. They already established that last year. Although I will say Kellen Moore is still the offensive coordinator there. That was like a prerequisite before Mike McCarthy took over. So he's going to be doing most of the play calling. So it's going to be similar in offensive structure to last year. But they were playing a lot of 11 personnel with uh, slot-wide receivers. And it's possible that Lamb slots in as their slot guy uh, moving forward. Although, you know, in the McCarthy system, any of those three guys could be interchangeable.
1: Yeah, I mean, you remember remember when... The big guy was coaching here in Green Bay and he had all those weapons at at wide receiver. I mean Football wise like real legit football wise. That's great and everything but you couldn't you couldn't depend on one of those guys fantasy purpose wise um, Because you just never knew whose week it was gonna be so I think that's what's gonna be CD's lamb for CD lambs problems for a couple of years. You just don't know Uh, The consistency aspect, you just don't know what he's going to put up week in and week out. I do think Michael Gallup will be slid into the slot more so um, than the other two, but you're right. I think, especially with Mike McCarthy, they all play all over the place. Wherever he finds a matchup, he's going to take care of it. Like, that
0: doesn't shy me away from taking Lamb as a potential number one pick. Like, if I'm on the back end of uh, the first
1: round. I was going to say, where do you take him, though, in the first? If you have the fourth overall pick, you're not taking him. You're taking one of the running backs. You're taking one of the running backs. But if you have, like, seven or eight or something like that, then you start flirting with it a little bit.
0: Well, here's, like, eight, nine, ten is where I'd be potentially comfortable, and it's just from this. Everybody loves the talent. Everybody loves the offense. I think somebody his trade value might be higher than his actual value, and you might be able to flip the prospect where his value doesn't take off for several years and you get more immediate return. Like I was thinking
1: I th- the exact same thing. That's something you can just use as a trade piece. Like, hey, you and I both know he's really good. Hey, you and I both know he's not getting the opportunities he should be. But this is somebody you know you want to have on your on your team in a couple of years. So, yeah, right. I think maybe that would be his best asset, honestly.
0: All right. So, uh, number nine for me was the guy that you probably have as your number one, uh, Jalen Rager. Um, and it, it's simply because I just... I This guy could move up by the time we get to, like, the actual pre-draft. Like, we start getting through some of the preseason and the rest of it, and we know more what the Eagles are going to do. But, like... Um, I, I'd still that, that that's a weird crowded room where you've got two tight ends getting a majority of catches uh, you've got running backs getting catches you've got um, uh, questions of health in other spots and so I'd like to know a little bit more consistency before I'm really ready to
1: put him forward as that guy he is actually my number two wide receiver um, I really wanted to put him at number one but Um, like if Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey were to be dismissed from the team this year, he'd jump up for sure. Um, yeah, there's just, I don't think Carson Wentz has ever had a wide receiver like him before. I don't think he's ever had a wide receiver that can go up and get the ball like, um, Jalen Rager can, but also has the burners that Jalen Rager has. I mean, he's had Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, we know. Um, but Deshaun Jackson weeks. Yeah. But Deshaun Jackson is no Jalen Rager either. I mean, he ran a slow 40 time at the combine, um then at his pro day he ran a four two nine. Um he's about six feet. Um he has a forty-two inch vertical. Uh, I love the kid's talent. And I honestly I love his landing spot too, because I think I know you're not huge on Carson Wentz, and now like listening well, to no, like, I I
0: think the Eagles have potential and like pairing him with a younger um star quarterback isn't a bad thing. No. I'd love yeah. the fit more, like I was high on a, whoever the whomever the Eagles ended up picking. But this is another one where, like, his talent is immense, but he does have injury questions in an already injury-riddled team. And that does give me a little bit of pause by comparison to uh, some of the other guys. But I I don't know.
1: I understand injuries and stuff like that, too. But for me, you and you, 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 you never know. I mean, yeah. I know. I mean, you, you that's
0: you cannot predict that. No,
1: and if I was living that way, I wouldn't have Dalvin Cook on my team right now either. I took him with the number 1 overall pick a couple of years ago. So, um no, and I'm just going to take one of the those tail. Where
0: you're you're separating by sm- small degrees and so yep. if I can find At that find point you're almost like trying to
1: argument one yeah, way. Or you're other, almost like trying to talk yourself out of it at that point.
0: But like he's my number 3 wide receiver on this last. So, mm-hmm. So number eight, Jerry Judy. Um, I just like him as slotting in as the, the true slot guy. Um, I think his opportunity is more defined in that uh, Denver system fans going to play the tight end role. Um, They're going to probably have Judy in the slot. They have their two outside guys um, in Sutton and uh, the other guy. I still can't remember his name. He's like number 17 on Denver. And I'd have to call my uh, Denver friend or whatever they may or may not know him. But um, anyway, but like, I think he has more of a potential for an immediate impact in a system where they're clearly angling for um, trying to surround drew Locke with uh, as many weapons and opportunities as they can get. Um, you know, the, we already talked about Melvin Gordon going there in the off season um, Fant being a younger tight end Sutton being an emerging wide receiver star and then drafting both Hamler and, uh, another tight end out of Missouri, um, drafting Judy. I just like the fact that, um, uh, he's probably going to see quite a few targets, um, at least early on and could bud into a, um, very productive slot receiver
1: for them going forward. Absolutely. Um, when I first saw the pick, um, I really did enjoy the landing spot, um, but then doing some more research on Drew Locke, um, I like it a lot more. Jerry Judy is my number one wide receiver um, that okay. I have ranked. Um, the other wide receiver you're talking about, I think, is Deshaun Hamilton. Yes, from the Broncos. Um, but I don't. I think Jerry Judy and KJ, KJ Hamler step right in um, with. Courtland Sutton as the top three wide receivers. I don't think they have to worry about any of those other guys coming up to take their spot. Um, Jerry Judy is the best route runner in this draft. And it it is an amazing thing to watch him run routes. And I think that's something, if you're elite at it, especially that'll travel to the next level. And you're going to be just that much better. And you're going to have that much of a head start on these other wide receivers that aren't as polished. I think he he does make an immediate impact. And I think in a couple years, like next year, I think he overtakes Cortland Sutton as the number one um, option in that offense. The only reservations that I have for him is still Drew Locke. Like I'm not 100% sold on Drew Locke. I don't think anybody is. But I think that's what the Broncos are doing. They're like, all right, we gave you all these new toys. Now it's up to you to figure it out. Like we're going to give you a couple of years. You got to figure it out, but
0: this is the argument I have for um, like uh, Denzel Mims. I know your questions are like on Sam Darnold, but like uh, Cortland Sutton produced with um, Drew Locke last year and even below that. And there have been a history of other guys that were productive wide receivers, usually big, bigger bodied guys that were playing with below average quarterbacks. Um, I mean, Nuck was getting above-average ability out of bad quarterbacks even a couple of years ago when Deshaun Watson was hurt. So it's not like you always need to pair that. It helps um, tremendously. And, like, I don't think Jordy Nelson would have been a great wide receiver on anybody else's um, team, but pair him with Aaron Rodgers and all of a sudden he's, like, hella fantasy-relevant.
1: So well, like you, there's Greg there's some difference Jones, but... or Greg Jennings too and James Jones, you know. Well, the sure. same. You
0: know? I maybe Greg so. Jennings like I think he might have been okay in some other situations but uh, again sometimes fit and quarterback make it sometimes it's receiver. Like Calvin Johnson would have been fantasy relevant no matter who's throwing him the ball.
1: Anywhere. <laughs> Anywhere. You know, and yeah, I could have thrown him just, the ball. There's and just he not there's, there's not many Megatrons. There's not that many Julio Joneses that come walking out, you know? So yeah. that that is my only reservation with Jerry Judy, but he's he is my number one wide receiver. He, okay. he is.
0: So I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you because uh, my number one is a guy that uh, he could slide down, but I just... I know just, who it is. I by think
1: process of...
0: You want to announce yeah. it? Because that's my number seven. The top six of my yeah. list are all... Uh, uh, running back so
1: okay so who is it it's got to be justin jefferson right it is and yeah. it's simply
0: because i still yeah, think and be. i know that um we're counting on Thielen to be wide receiver one but um Thielen is i think 29 already yeah
1: yeah and he's older like, yep
0: if you just project forward that there has to be a guy in a productive offense, that's going to be the number one receiver, you know, that guy's at least going to be capable. Uh, I don't necessarily like him as much as the talent of some other guys like Judy or CD lamb or whatever else, but uh, I like the fit and the opportunity, at least going forward at the moment and that he could overtake more easily than some of these other guys as the number one wide receiver. That's
1: my argument. I Justin Jefferson I have at my number eight wide receiver and I wasn't huge on him as a back before he's found his landing spot and then he landed in Minnesota and I really I don't know if it's if it's those things that made me rank him as low as I did I also to like some people playing with elite talent in college like he did with Joe Burrow. Sometimes it's really easy to, to be a wide receiver when you just you're one, you're out, you turn around and holy shit, the ball is right in my hands already. Um, he's an to incredible be fair, team.
0: I think Jamar Chase was actually better than him on that yeah. team.
1: Yeah yes, a hundred percent. you know and the other reason I had him as low as he is now pro wise is there wasn't very often when ad, 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 both had huge games. It was typical one or three. am I misremembering that?
0: No, I mean, that that's pretty um, obvious. But also, I, I will say that, like, Minnesota threw the ball less. I just think that right. for his ability to be too. the number one guy out of that potential offense, I think, is higher than um, some of these other guys. And again, uh, like I said, some of this is likely to change by the time we get through um, abbreviated OTAs and what we might or might not get out of a preseason. Like, I think it's entirely possible we basically cancel the preseason and go um, to the college set. We may have some combined practices, but this is going to be a weird year by comparison to some of the other ones. So, like rookie receivers this year um, may not step in. They're gonna
1: already any impact. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, That's another thing too. I. It's hard to learn a new offense. It's hard Mm -hmm. to learn a new offense as a wide receiver too because you're thinking, okay. um, First off, you need to check where the coverage is. Like, where's the safety? How is my cornerback playing? Then you need to be like, okay, now I have to run an out at ten at ten yards, a dig at thirteen yards, and then you're counting. You know, you're thinking instead of playing. So then you're a step behind already as it is. It's hard to learn a new offense, and I think that's why um, wide receivers, especially in the NFL, rookie wide receivers, they 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 are a step behind, and I think it'll be tougher for them even more. You keep cutting out, bud. You're like frozen. Yeah. about now?
0: It's a little bit better now.
1: Well, the thing is with Jefferson, too, is just the Vikings are so conservative um, passing the ball. Sure. That's my thing with them. It's it's tough for me to grade him over the other guys um, at this point in time. So, you
0: know, again, it's just, it's feeling, but that, that's, that's where I went. I don't think there's going to be a ton of debate on the next six or the top six of mine are all running backs, but, um, you know, at least for the wide receiver debate, that's kind of where I was at. So, um, anyway, um, now what was I just thinking? Oh, so you were just kind of generally mentioning, um, the transition as wide receiver and the rest of it. Do you ever take, um... Economics in high school.
1: I don't remember. Okay. Was it an elective thing that you had to take?
0: No, I, I think it was one of those that was like a sub social studies course. I remember taking Mm -hmm. it. Um, and then taking economic theory with Tim. And, um, there was something that he said to lead off uh, his microeconomics class. That was always, um, like you'll have this epiphany moment where it'll all click and just make sense and uh, you don't need to think about it as hard. And I think that's relatable to a lot of things. And it's kind of some of the same things that I um, tell to some of the people that I train and manage um, from you know, what was my day job um, that essentially there's a certain point in time and it was about three months into that job specifically where you stop thinking and just start doing Right know it well enough there's a higher learning curve when it comes to wide receivers and it's when does that point hit for some as opposed to others like we've already said there are some where it takes a couple of games there are some where it takes a half a year there's some where it takes a year and a half two years etc where it just starts to click but when it does then they can start playing and that's when they really start um, becoming who they're supposed to be and so it's a matter of where that curve point's going to be. For a lot of these guys, the um, playbook install, if you're doing it over Zoom, you know, you don't have the practice reps, just plain and simple, that you're possibly going to get in every other season this year.
1: And I, that has a lot to do with it. Um, that that makes it a lot more difficult for them. So. Yeah, we're, we're most definitely going to see a step back, especially on wide receivers, rookie wide receivers this year.
0: Well, I think that it's going to require more patience than any other season, like for mm-hmm. fantasy or for dynasty owners. It's just going to be one yep. of those where, you know, you want to pump the brakes and not do something stupid at a rash, like cutting Devontae Adams or uh, cutting Odell Beckham, like right before both of them excel, you know, stupid things that a particular owner did at one time or another. <laughs>
1: so anyway Uh, all right
0: right. uh i have six backs going forward all of whom i think at some point this year could receive number one duty i pretty much rank them based on um what their production value might be and how much volume they may see pretty much off the bat um so um And frankly, number five and number six could easily switch for me just looking at it. But number six, I had Kayshawn Vaughn, Uh, Tampa Bay. I think he could step in immediately and be Tampa's running back in a highly productive offense. We already know how much Tom Brady loves to dump the ball down to his backs. Um, We're still hoping that Ronald Jones holds that job, but it's just one of those where, you know, he's had opportunities. How many opportunities do you give the same guy? Uh, Number five, I had Jonathan Taylor. And simply put, there are three other established backs on the Indianapolis roster. Like, I love Jonathan Taylor running behind that line, but when is he going to get his opportunity? Like, Marlon Mack's going into a contract year, I think, this year. So maybe it's year two where Jonathan Taylor has the opportunity. And this year, you know, barring an injury, he may not. And that's why he's kind of down the list for me by comparison, but... It's one of those where I really love him. I love the opportunity, but it's win. Uh, number four, J.K. Dobbins. We went through this a lot the other day. It's one where, like, uh, if he can supplant Mark Ingram, and we were already seeing at the end of last year that Justice Hill was getting a lot of carries in the late part of the season and in the playoff game, like, he got a lot of opportunities, so... You know, if Dobbins can come in, be productive, I think he's a better version of Hill. He's not quite as fast,
1: but he can certainly scoot. Okay, Um, let me stop you right there. Our first two, Kayshawn Vaughn and Jonathan Taylor, that was my six and that was my five as well. Um, Especially for 100% of the reasons that you said so. Um, I don't think Kayshawn Vaughn is as polished as a runner as you would like at this point in time but he yeah. can catch the football and he is quick as hell. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've watched any of his tape at all, but he is super, super quick. Um, Jonathan Taylor, opportunity. Um, he eventually he's going to be the lead dog in that, in that uh, backfield. Um, yeah. It's just opportunity. Um, back to Keyshawn Vaughn though. I think if you have Ronald Jones, I think you have to draft Keyshawn Vaughn. I think they go hand in hand, kind of like Devin Singletary and um, Zach Moss do, because eventually he's going to take that job. I really think so. Um, it might not be this year. The is that
0: unless, uh, for our sp- league specifically, uh, the person who would take him as the handcuff does not have that opportunity.
1: Oh, they lose a pick or something?
0: You traded Ronald Jones in order to get the number one pick for that person. Yeah, I know. So he doesn't oh. have a pick till the second round, and Vaughn's going to be gone. Wow, by-
1: poor Aaron. That's tough. <laughs> That's tough. Well, life comes at you fast, doesn't it? Yeah, anyway, if you don't um, stop and uh, take a look <laughs> once in a while, you may miss it. Um, the number four, I actually have DeAndre Swift, not okay. because not because I hate him as a prospect. I was telling you this before. I love him as a prospect. He would just be my uh, he would be my uh, running back one if it was just prospects. Um, I just don't like the landing spot. The Lions have done a horrible job with running backs in the past and um as much as i think he'll, he will catch some balls from matt stafford from little stuff out of the backfield i just don't like that spot one i don't think no. the lions are going to be very good i think they're going to have to throw the ball a lot
0: um well that's a possibility but i also think he's um capable as a receiving back he is, maybe not immediately capable. Uh, because of the pass-blocking need for that particular thing. But these are not the Jim Bob Cooter offensive Lions. Like They're not going to be throwing the ball 40 times a game. We've already seen over the last two seasons that Matt Patricia wants to run the ball. The problem was always that on Johnson got hurt or couldn't take 20 carries a game. So I think this guy has... And this is where my reveal is going to come in. Uh, Swift is my number one.
1: Wow. That's super and, and, surprising after everything that we've been talking about. These
0: but last it's, couple of years. and it's simply this, okay? I'm not as high on him. You're much higher. We have the inverse of thing. I think he has the number one opportunity to step in day one and be the number one guy and get 20 carries a game. And if well, you're yeah. telling me, yeah, if you're telling me that with the number one overall pick, for immediate impact, where uh, running backs are getting one contract, they're getting on their rookie deal, and they're going to be used up. And Matt Patricia has the opportunity to give that guy 20 carries a game, you know, 25 touches overall. I think he's the guy that
1: comes in and gets used up the most. Like, I think he'll get beat the fuck up. I do. I just, I I don't like the spot. I just, I think the other people that I have in front of him Will have a much more successful fantasy career when it's all said and done. So, um,
0: all right. So that leads actually to my number three, then, which okay. is going to be the most surprising. It's Clyde edwards hilaire
1: I don't get you, man. <laughs> I don't understand you. On draft he night, he's not were going crazy to be... about him. Okay. the The
0: reason I I love it and I think all three of these top guys have the potential, like he could be the most productive out of all three of these guys. And frankly, I really contemplated putting him at number two and long-term value. I'd rather have my three and four guy, maybe even my five guy than my number one or my number two. But right now, I don't know how he's going to fit in immediately on the chiefs. And that's my concern. Like, as a Damian Williams holder and how he performed in the Super Bowl, I think the Chiefs are still going to lean on him as their number one guy, they're which to me is out. a
1: mistake. They're going to phase him out. Are they? They're going to phase him out. Yes. I, I, you spend I, a first-round pick on a running back? Come on now. If you're you're going to phase the that, other guy out.
0: If you're telling me that Edwards Hilaire is the number one guy in Kansas City before yes. week eight – then yes. he's the number one overall guy here.
1: A hundred percent. He'll be the number one guy before we gate. I'd put money on that.
0: I'm not so sure. I think <laughs> Andy Reid has been stubborn sometimes. Like he <laughs> gave Spencer Ware how many opportunities.
1: Now Spencer uh, Ware yeah. was Spencer Ware was a speedy running back that could catch the ball really well. And I think that's so that's, that's a type Williams. of dude. That's a type of dude that yeah but Clyde Edwards is exactly that too and he's younger and I think he's probably faster. Probably, better hands, he's fast.
0: probably he's got better, better hands.
1: Probably better overall and running. I back. think he's the
0: most um capable of pass blocking just for how much he had to do it last year. Like he was the third down catching back for LSU and was constantly in pass protection. So I think he's the most likely to step in and be able to fill that role. So I have less concerns about that one. But I think, on, barring injury, he is likely to get less touches than the two guys ahead of him on my list, at least immediately. And when you're talking about running backs, you almost have to think more immediately than you do with wide receivers. And that's part of my argument. So number two is I th- the guy I think you have number one, Cam Akers. And it's Uh, simply because there's no clearly established number one starter ahead of him on that roster at the moment. Like Malcolm Brown and Darrell Henderson were thought to be the number one guys ahead of that. But if he's going to step in and he has the opportunity to really work in as the number one back, if they have full practices and the rest of it, his opportunity as the number one back in a highly productive offense. I don't think he translates. He's not Todd Gurley level. Um, ability. Todd Gurley is immensely talented, and just due to injuries in his knee, like he could have been a lot uh, more special for a longer period of time. But can he be highly productive? Can he be a B-plus to Gurley's A? Yes, I think that's possible, and it just depends on whether he's going to get the opportunity. And then one, I already said, it was DeAndre Swift. So,
1: Cam Akers is my number three. Um, I have really? J.K. Dobbins. I have J.K. Dobbins as my number two, um, just because I love the future of J.K. Dobbins. I think you I pair him. You pair him with Lamar Jackson um, for years to come. I yep. love it, and I think he ends up being the starter um, by the end of the year, beginning of next year. probably beginning of next year. Yeah. Um, and then I have Clyde Edwards as number one, just because I think he has just the immediate impact factor. I'm really surprised you have Cam Akers as high as you do. You haven't really talked about him as highly as I have. Um, so my question to you then is if you have, you have the number five overall pick and Cam Akers is there, who are you taking? You taking Cam Akers or are you taking one of the, re- or one of the running or wide receivers, if no wide receiver has been taken yet? So, Yes, as
0: we've mentioned a bunch of times, I think there is going to be one of these five guys, naturally. Um, So trading up for me is not as valuable as the rest of it. So let's assume... All right, let's assume Jonathan Taylor goes one. Which one are you going with
1: as your number two? Um, Let's say I just take DeAndre Swift, because that's typically what people have as their one and two.
0: No, I like, so you have Swift is going number two. So number three would then be to the unknown team. I'm going to say they take number three is Danny.
1: Number three is Danny. Is it? That was, that was supposed to be Derek's pick.
0: So the ghost or the vacant team is number four. Number four.
1: Wow. That really sucks.
0: God, that team is so devoid of talent against the number four. pick. (laughs) So like, and I know we're tipping our hands a little bit, but, I think you get either Akers or Dobbins in the fifth slot then. Like, if I have my choice between uh, Dobbins and Acres, I think Dobbins may have a better longer-term value, and I'd be really cutting it at a knife edge. Depends on if I'm going more long-term value or I'm um, trying to win now. And I don't know if my team is in a position to win now.
1: That's crazy. So I I'm even in my mind, the mock draft, I mean, that we're gonna shoot tomorrow, that'll that'll be interesting to see. Oh yeah. Because um, I don't know. I mean, even I I'm trying to figure out my strategy on what I'm gonna try to do in these first two rounds and how I'm gonna try to trade up into the second. And I feel like Eventually, I'm gonna have to try to trade it back up into the first to get everybody that I want. Yeah, no, it's really it's. There's so much talent in this draft coming up. Like, so
0: so who is you have the number two pick? So shouldn't I take the um, even picks?
1: Well, I have the number two pick and the number nine pick in the first round.
0: Well, I mean, I'll naturally, but like. How do you want to divvy up who does what?
1: Guys, yeah, feel like you should probably just pick for all of my teams.
0: Well, yeah, but like, do you want to take the number one pick for Allen? Yeah. Part of the mock. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I mean, I'll take both of your picks in the second round then too, seeing as you're not well, going to trade. Really. One. Seeing you as and I already trade, decided we were going to. Seeing swap as you're not going to trade teams. one of those to to me.
0: At the current asking price, no. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> but then again, you and I have similar uh, strategies of trying to move back into things, and I, I just...
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, for me, I, I don't know. I want to get back in front of you. And the only people back in front of you are Danny, and he doesn't trade with anybody unless... Your name is Derek. Or... Uh, and here's the other
0: thing is is we still don't know who's going to take over that fourth slot. <laughs> Do you have anyone in mind? So my dad and I were talking about it the other day. Uh, I don't remember if you remember. Were you over for the national title game, Ohio State and Florida, that one year?
1: Yeah, I think I was the only one rooting for. I was one of the few people rooting for Florida. Okay. Either way, uh, do you remember my uncle? No,
0: probably not. Okay, several people have mentioned this post fact, but like, uh, there's almost literally nobody on earth that gives me more shit than my uncle. He's been doing it to me for 25 years. Anyway, so, but he's been like, he and my dad and I had this like three-way chat going on the draft all weekend. And so my dad thought about um, offering it to my uncle. I just, I'm curious how serious he's going to take it because his, he used to do our church league and his only draft preparation was is he had a sharpened pencil and a six pack.
1: Well, that's good.
0: <laughs> well, and that was Ben's complaint because I also floated the idea of expansion again and he's concerned, realistically at this point, we had three teams that were not um, as involved yeah. as the rest of us. Yeah. Like Derek takes it seriously. Yet. Ben, you, me, uh, my dad, Roger, we all take it seriously. It's the Ike brothers and then the vacant. <laughs> <laughs> like the Ikstead brothers are like twenty-five percent on whether they show up for the draft. Like how many That's, times? I mean, heard, I'm a little be out I am a north little worried fishing.
1: about I am a little worried about Ike not showing up to the draft and auto-drafting the first pick and maybe no. taking somebody that I would have wanted instead. Once everybody gets their picks in or their
0: keepers in, which, you know, we set that usually at least a week, if not two weeks in advance. Um, I mean, there was some screw ups last year with the whole thing or whatever. Maybe it was two years ago. I can't even remember. But um, where uh, we had some issues. But um, it, you can pre-rank your um, draftees in advance to make sure that that isn't a problem. But yeah.
1: I think I draft for
0: Allen may be different than whom Allen would want to take.
1: Well, he's going to take Jonathan Taylor. I feel like if I was a betting man, that, was, that would be who he would take.
0: Well, I used to be a betting man, and then I lost some money, and I, I'm no longer
1: a betting man, but... I mean, I may be tipping my hand a little bit here to you, but I would be leaving the draft 100% happy if I could leave with both, like, J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers. Yeah. That's that's what would be making me happy. Okay. But, and then if I could have, like, say, Michael Pittman and... Like a Jalen Rager, too. That's why I'm trying to move back up in the second round, but now I don't think Bakers is going to make it to the ninth pick in the first round.
0: No, there's definitely not.
1: Sucked. Sucks. You'd have to move a
0: lot in order to get back into that first four picks ahead of me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're saying one of those two is isn't not making it past five. That's what you're saying.
0: Yeah. If like, first off, I I'm not even saying for what I would do. Like, of course I'd take one of those two, but both of them will not be to me at five. Just, I, I know how the draft works and how the rookies and the rankings ahead of time, those two will not be there when I pick at number five. One of them may be, but both of them will not be.
1: Man, I may have to offer Danny something amazing here. Maybe I could try to trade with Ike. You think he'd give up the first pick?
0: I think he might. And again, this is one where you can have basically a theoretical trade in hand. And then trying to get him to seal the deal or like take anything is going to be beyond difficult. <laughs>
1: I feel like he's my best this is like my honest thought process I feel like I need to change with Allen or trade with Allen but then he's not going to want my number nine I'm going to have to give him somebody off my team yeah Um, and then I want like Aaron's pick in the second because one you said no two um, Danny doesn't trade and then it's just the two Ike said that are left and then the unmanned team so but. this
0: is one where I think I let the picks play out possibly if I can't work out something really good in advance and then um, patrol afterward to see if somebody didn't like isn't high on one of these guys and see if I can bottom feed um, like their second round.
1: <laughs> no, I need I I. My need for me more so is is running back than it is wide receiver, but I'd really love to. I think I can get Michael Pittman at the end of the second round, but I don't know if I can get Rager. Well, how many rounds do you want to do tomorrow? A handful, maybe like three or four.
0: Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Doing all seven, at that point, I'm usually taking like a defense and like, let's not do all that stupidity but
1: we we still have um we made a list of all the people we thought would not be kept right
0: correct i have it here next to me so okay um apparently Jameis winston's gonna be the backup in new orleans now which i thought was weird oh zach pascal is the other guy for um uh indianapolis who's probably more of the slot guy But uh, James Washington was on that list. Tariq Cohen's possibly on that list. Alan Lazard's possibly on that list, which, like, that one might become different uh, going forward. Robbie Anderson, which is different because apparently Curtis Samuel's getting shopped. Uh, Corey Davis is getting shopped. Um, Alishon Jeffrey. uh, Taylor Gabriel, who doesn't even have a team right now, Cameron Breit. Like, the the list of guys that um, is going to be in the draft pool is not high. So, like, trying to take a shot at some of these second-year guys... <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> ...is oh, not man. as high th- there as it is some of these other years.
1: It's going to be... Yeah, the draft's not going to really... Go like how I want it to go, but I'm gonna have to try to manipulate the track board the best I can in my. But ultimately, I feel like it's gonna come down to I'm gonna have to choose between Edwards, Acres, and Dobbins. If this was like two months ago and like the combine never happened or anything like that, I feel like I would have had a better chance at Acres at nine, but. He had such an amazing combine, too,
0: so... So this would be a much different prospect if we didn't have to um, trade uh, a pick for a pick. Like, how Yahoo does their system, if we could simply, like, you have that many picks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But, but that, because
0: of how it, the system the is apportioned... And I, yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because then it would mess with everybody's keeper system, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you going to do? I don't know. All right, but regardless,
1: <laughs> we kind of just went off on a tangent.
0: Oh yeah, well we often do it here at the end of the show. So, but anyway, all right. So, um, we'll look forward to tomorrow's uh, extra episode um, doing the mock draft, and um, you better bring your smack a game. Because I, I have a feeling that that's going to be full of it tomorrow. Uh, there's going to get an extra explicit rating on the um, uh, iTunes or whatever. So,
1: You know, I'm actually excited for this mock draft. Um, to maybe you get a little bit of a layout of what I think can happen. I think it'll just help strategy-wise, personally. But well, of course. Maybe it'll help ease some heartbreak that's going to happen, too, when I don't get my guys. <laughs> <laughs> well...
0: I should almost call in a third and see if we could get somebody to supplement the show. But as of right now, it's just you and I. So,
1: no, if you can get anybody else to come on and pick for their own team, that would be fine. Get it a little, little bit more as realistic as him to get his ass up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. Anyway, till tomorrow.
1: Um,
0: have fun, everybody.
1: Have a good day.
0: And that is your dagger. That's all for this week. And please uh, make sure to rate, subscribe, and review the new podcast on the Tom Duncan Network, as it's currently being called. Um, That'll help everybody else find the podcast. And that uh, we continue to help uh, provide you winning opportunities on your fantasy teams. Hopefully get you interested in this new type of uh, fantasy football. Uh, Until next time, thanks and have a great evening. Thank you.